I want you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. That's where we're going to begin this morning. Uh, The Gospel of John, chapter 1. And then we're going to also be in Philippians. So you can go ahead and uh, make you a mark there, put you something in there. We're going to be turning to Philippians in just a few moments. But last week we began this series called The Incarnation. Uh, And in The Incarnation, uh, that's not a word that you see in the Bible But the word incarnation is a Latin word. And that word incarnation means being or taking on flesh. That's what it means, the incarnation. Being flesh or taking on flesh. Dr. David Platt, in his commentary, says the incarnation is the greatest miracle that has ever happened. The greatest miracle that has ever happened. In Matthew chapter 1, that's where we looked last week. In Matthew chapter 1, we saw several miracles unfold that were a part of the incarnation. Uh, In Matthew chapter 1, we saw the virgin birth. Mary was pregnant by way of the Holy Spirit. We also saw the angel of God come and speak to Joseph through a dream. If you'll remember, Joseph was going to divorce Mary privately. He didn't want to put her to shame, but he was going to divorce her. And so the angel of God came and spoke to Joseph. It was a divine intervention. That was a miracle of God. And we know that Joseph took Mary to be his wife. We also see prophecy fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. What prophecy is fulfilled? Well, one very specific, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says that a virgin will give birth to a son And he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so the incarnation is very important. It's something that we need to see. It's something we need to think about. It's something we need to ponder day after day, especially in the Christmas season. So I want us to dig deep into what the incarnation means. We know that it means the being flesh, the putting on of flesh, God with us, Emmanuel. But I want us to dig deeper. What does the incarnation mean for us today? What does it mean about Jesus? What does it mean about all the ages? Well, I believe the incarnation is not just a Christmas season. Uh, it, it's, it's something that we should celebrate and something we should think about throughout the seasons, every season in our lives As a matter of fact, I love the Gospel of John. Some would say, well, the Gospel of John doesn't really share the Christmas story. Well, it may not share it the way Matthew or Mark or Luke shares it, but John chapter 1 is absolutely the Christmas story. So I want you to look at it with me. John chapter 1, the first three verses, look at what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then I want you to go down and I want you to look at verse 14. Here is the incarnation. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I believe John chapter 1 is absolutely the Christmas story. We see the incarnation in John chapter 1, and we see some very important truths about the incarnation. First of all, we see that Jesus is fully God and fully man. 
He is fully God and he is fully man. Listen, Jesus has always been. Jesus didn't come into existence in the manger. Jesus has always existed. He's always been. He just put on flesh when he came to us in the manger. I believe the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit exist as three in one. And as part of the Trinity, Jesus existed before this world ever began. Listen, Jesus, he existed before our time began. I believe when God created time, he created time for you and for me. God transcends time. Time is not something that that holds God back or holds Jesus back. He transcends time. And so Jesus is the eternal Son of God. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. We need to understand that Jesus is fully God. I love what Dr. David Jeremiah says in his commentary. Dr. David Jeremiah says this, Yes, God, uh, Jesus is fully God. He is also fully man. By calling Jesus the Word, the Gospel writer John emphasizes that Jesus is the revelation of God to man. Pastor Matt Carter says this, There is no greater revelation of the character and the nature of God the Father than through the person of Jesus the Son. Jesus reveals God's mind. He expresses God's will and he displays God's perfection and he exposes God's heart to man. I love that. So in the incarnation, when we look at what the gospel writer John says, that the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, and then he says in verse 14, the Word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. And we see that Jesus is full of glory. He is full of grace, and He is full of truth. Listen, because Jesus is fully God, he is full of the glory of God. He is full of the grace of God and the truth of God. When Jesus puts on flesh and is fully man, he can identify with us in this world, but he also identifies with God in heaven. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around, right? It's hard for us to understand that, but he is fully God. And he demonstrates the characters and the quality of God that is in heaven. The grace, the glory, and the truth. Yet, he comes to us as man, and he's fully man, and he can identify with you and me in this world. It's an incredible truth. Jesus was tempted to sin. We see that in the Bible. But Jesus never sinned. Jesus, he breathed air like you and I breathe air. Jesus, when you cut him, he bleeds As a matter of fact, Jesus did bleed. He bled for you and for me. Jesus ate food. He drank water. Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. I love Dr. Tony Evans and I was listening to a sermon that Dr. Tony Evans preached and this is what he said. He said, Jesus is deity poured into humanity. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is deity poured into humanity. He is fully human, therefore he cried as an infant. But he is fully divine, and he actually gave life to his mother. He is fully human, so he had to sleep. But he is fully divine, 
and can raise the dead back to life. Our God fully experienced what it is like to be human, yet He did so without sin. He faced hunger. He faced pain, temptation, grief, hardship, and rejection. You today face no category of human experience that your Savior has not already experienced and endured. I love that. Dr. Tony Evans says it better than I've ever heard before. Jesus is fully God, and yet he is fully man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so when we see baby Jesus in the manger scene, when we celebrate Christmas, yes, we celebrate the birth of the baby, Jesus. But don't miss this. We celebrate God. God with us, Emmanuel, we celebrate a deity and a human. He is fully God and he is fully man. You know what is so awesome about Jesus being fully God and fully man? Is that he does display glory. He does display grace and truth. He does it fully. Nothing is held back by the life of Jesus Christ, by the humanity of Jesus, the fullness of God. That's what Paul says. The fullness of God dwells in him. The fullness of God is displayed in flesh, the incarnation. That's what the gospel writer John says. Now Paul, in the New Testament, he has something to say about the incarnation as well. I want you to flip over now to Philippians chapter 2. You may say, well, this is not the Christmas story. I mean, is the Christmas story in Philippians? Absolutely it is. If it's about Christ, it's the Christmas story. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. There it is. That's the incarnation. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Talking about the incarnation, during the Christmas season, it really is easy. You see, because for us, that is the beginning. A beginning of the putting on flesh. Jesus came to us. As a baby, he came to us through the virgin birth. His mother Mary gave birth to him, and there was no room for them at the inn. And, and so he came to us in that humble manger scene. But let me just tell you something. The incarnation is not just about the manger scene. Listen, the incarnation is not just fulfilled in a manger. It's fulfilled in the complete life of Jesus Christ. It is fulfilled in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. It is fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to see the incarnation as a whole, not just as a beginning point, as a starting point. I want you to see all 
of the incarnation, all of who Jesus is as fully God and as fully man. See, in this passage, Paul shows us that in the incarnation, we see the humility of Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you miss this character of Jesus, if you miss the humility, then you miss it all. Because Jesus' entire life, the incarnation, the putting on flesh, it is characterized by humility. And Paul shows us that. Not just in Philippians, but in all of his letters. He talks about the humility that Jesus Christ demonstrated. The humility that was Jesus Christ. Listen, we've already seen that Jesus is fully God. We, we know that he is fully God, but we also know he is fully man. And so when Jesus put on flesh, Paul tells us right here that he did not use his deity, which he was fully God, he did not use his deity for his own advantage. Rather, what did he do? He, he put on flesh and he put it on humbly. He, he laid his deity aside. Listen, before the incarnation, don't you know this? Jesus enjoyed a pre-existent, exalted position. Don't, don't you understand that? Paul tells us in his letters that Jesus Christ has always been, and he was creator. John tells us in the gospel, we've already looked at it this morning, John tells us that there was nothing made that has not been made by Jesus. And so Jesus is fully God. He was exalted before this world ever began. However, we see in this passage that Jesus laid the exaltation aside. He, he laid it aside. He embraced and embodied humility instead. He took on the nature of a servant. That's what Paul says. What did Jesus tell us in Mark chapter 10? You know what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10? He said this, I did not come to be served, but what? To serve. He took on the nature of a servant. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is still fully God. He, he, didn't, he didn't lose his deity. He, he didn't lose it. He laid it aside. I love Pastor Tony Merida. He's another one of my favorite preachers that I listen to. Pastor Tony Merida says this, Jesus veiled his deity. He did not void it. Think about that for a moment. He veiled his deity. He did not void it. Yesterday morning, when I woke up, I went outside, and I don't know about you, but it kind of felt wintry outside, right? The, the clouds were just everywhere, and it was kind of that winter sky, right? And I kept saying, well, maybe if the sun comes out, it'll warm up a little bit. I went over to my neighbors to check her solar lights because they weren't working right, and I told her, I said, I, I can't really tell right now what the problem is. It looks like you got everything hooked up. I said, but the problem is, if it doesn't get sunshine, it's not going to work. Well, is that because the sun was not out? No, the sun was out. The sun was where it always was. But it was veiled, right, by the clouds. Listen to me. Jesus didn't lose his deity when he became a man. He veiled his deity. He chose humility. No one humbled Jesus. The Romans didn't humble Jesus. Caiaphas didn't humble Jesus. None of those people humbled Jesus. Let me tell you something. Jesus humbled himself. He chose humility. And so in the incarnation, Jesus, what he does is he shows us the difference between being served and serving. You know what he does? 
He shows us the difference between being a giver and a getter. I shared this Wednesday night in our Bible study when I was a kid. And, 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 and look, I still have problems with it today, but when I was a kid, you know what I was? I was a getter. Bring me the gifts, right? I woke up on Christmas morning because I wanted to see what I got. I wasn't worried about what mom and daddy got. I wanted to know what Jeff got. I was a getter. Do you, do you know what's awesome today? What's awesome today is I love, right? I love buying gifts and putting them under the tree and putting somebody else's name on it. I, I love giving gifts, right? I love giving to other people, and I love especially giving to my wife and my kids. I remember one here, uh, Marty was kind of upset. She was looking around because her and the kids had all these gifts, and I had one or two over there, right? And I said, well, y'all could have bought me more. No, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. What I said was, I like buying the gifts. I like giving the gifts. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ is the giver. He's not a getter. He's a giver. He's never been a getter. He's always been a giver. It's always been about you. It was about you before he ever existed on this earth. But it was especially about you when he existed on this earth. I love this because in the incarnation we see that. We see the humility of Jesus. And Paul says we need to model that humility. In the incarnation we also see the exaltation of Jesus. Paul doesn't skip that. He doesn't, he doesn't miss that. Jesus is exalted because of who he is. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us right here that God the Father exalted the Son. Paul makes it very clear that Jesus is exalted to the highest place. He's given the name that is above every name. He's given the name that by which every knee in every place will bow. He's given the name of Jesus. That Listen to me. It happened in the manger, not by everybody. Some people chose not to believe. Some people chose not to bow. But there were some who bowed. Those wise men, maybe that's why we call them wise men. Because they understood who Jesus was. But there were many who did not bow. You want to know something? There are some today who bow. And there are a lot who don't. There are some today who believe. And there are a lot who don't. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is exalted. He is exalted by God the Father. And the Bible makes it very clear to us that when Jesus, right, made the ultimate sacrifice, dying on the cross for our sins, for your sins, for my sins, he took on the physical pain. He took on the rejection, the shame, the humiliation. He received on the cross the wrath of God in your place and in my place. But the Bible tells us that Jesus came out of that grave. That God raised him up out of that grave. He defeated sin and he, had, he defeated death. And when that happened, the Bible says that God exalted him above all. What did Jesus tell us in Matthew? He told us this, Matthew chapter 23, verses 11 and 12. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We see that in Jesus. Right? Jesus didn't exalt himself. Jesus didn't parade around uh, with his authority and demands. Listen, Jesus just walked around and served. Jesus just walked around and loved. And he didn't pick and choose either, did he? He didn't, he didn't pick and choose. You know what we do a lot? We pick and choose, don't we? We pick and choose who we're going to love and who we're going to reach out to and who we're not. Jesus didn't. You want to know why? Because Jesus took on humility. Complete 
humility. Jesus took on the character and the nature of a servant. One who, who served without question. Not one to be served, but one to serve. I, I love this because Jesus, when he says these words, he's talking about himself. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. And we see that. Jesus, he humbled himself. And what did God do? God exalted him. Dr. David Jeremiah goes on to tell us in his commentary, though not everyone on earth received the king on his first arrival, one day the one who was brought low will be raised high. And at that moment, every knee will bow. Believers will bow with joy and unbelievers will bow in sorrow and remorse. Do you believe the Word of God? Do you believe what it says? That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow? I'm going to tell you, I'm bowing my knee now in practice. I'm bowing my knee in practice right now. You are Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God, and I love you, and I'm thankful for you. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. I'm going to keep saying it. Because one day we're going to all be together. And the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For the believers, it's going to be a joyful moment. For those who have rejected Jesus Christ, for those who have chosen not to bow of their own will and their own accord, it's going to be a day of sorrow. It's going to be a day of remorse. So in the incarnation, it's a chance. Right? It's a chance for us to see Jesus fully God and fully man. Don't miss that. Listen to me. I love the manger scene. I, I love this scene with the wise men, right? And Mary and Joseph and little baby, little baby Jesus. But he's not just a baby. He's God. He's Emmanuel. God with us. I'm thankful for that baby, but I'm even more thankful that that baby grew up and lived a perfect life. I'm, I'm even more thankful that that baby grew up into a man and lived a perfect life and chose humility, chose to go to the cross that I deserved, chose to take the nails that I deserved, chose to die and face the wrath of God that I deserve. That's what the incarnation means for me. Yes, baby Jesus, but... Yes, the man, Jesus, fully God, fully man, who lived and died and rose again for me. As Linus told Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about. So how will you respond? Right? How will you respond to God's Word? How will you respond to the Christmas story? Here's an even better question. How will you respond to the Incarnation? Being flesh, taking on flesh. Well, I'll tell you, there's a correct way to respond. See, the correct way to respond to the incarnation is with our adoration and with our emulation. Do you, do you hear me? Our adoration and our emulation. Jeff, Brother Jeff, what does that mean? With our adoration, we worship Jesus. We honor Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. I'm going to tell you, how many of you love those kids standing up here? Man, there was, there was a little girl right over here, and boy, she was shimmying those shoulders, and that smile on her face was just lit. Did you not see what I saw? You can go back and watch the video, I promise you. It's not just Jeff up here dancing for you to laugh at. I'm going to tell you, that little girl was filled with some joy. 
And you know what she was doing? She was adoring her Savior. From her heart, her mouth spoke. That's adoration. Adoration is we worship you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you because you first loved us. You so loved us. And so the correct way to respond to the incarnation is with our adoration. But we don't stop there. It's with our emulation. What did Paul say in Philippians? With the same mindset, right? As Christ Jesus, do this. Live like this. And so emulation means I want to be like that. I want to walk like that. I want to talk like that. I want to move like that. I want to love like that. When I was a kid, my my Aunt Nancy and Uncle James, they lived right across the road from us, right across the pasture from us. And uh, I used to love getting up in the morning, especially on a Saturday morning because my Uncle James was usually off work. And I used to love, I'd be out in my yard just kind of piddling around and I'd hear that tractor crank up, right? That tractor, it would crank up. And boy, when I heard that tractor crank, I knew Uncle James was about to get in that field. And so I would run across that pasture. Listen, I was crazy. I had on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and cowboy boots. I thought I was the coolest thing in the world. But do you want to know why I thought I was the coolest thing in the world? Because I was fixing to get to walk with my Uncle James, right? I'd get up on that tractor with him, and he'd go in out through that field, and then he'd park that tractor. And then I loved it. Planting season was my favorite. Because Uncle James would let me grab some of that corn, or he'd let me grab some of those mustard seeds, whatever it was. He'd let me grab a handful, and he'd let me plant. But you know what he'd always say? He'd say, just watch me. Just follow me. So you know what I'd do? I'd put my little old foot in his footprints in, in that dirt, right? I'd try to step with him. He had some big, long steps. And for a long time, he had a big old foot till my foot got bigger. But I, I, I would do that. I would put my foot where he put his, and, I'd put my, and then I'd watch him, and I'd see him dig that little hole, and I'd see him drop that, and he'd say, now you drop one right here. And I'd say, yes, sir, and I'd try to dig that hole just like he did and put that seed just like he did in the ground. My Uncle James was teaching me something that I would know years later. That's my Jesus. Right? I I don't read the Scriptures just to know more about Jesus. I read the Scriptures so that I can intimately know Him and be like Him. Put my footstep in His footstep. Reach out and touch the soil of a heart like He reached out and touched the soil of a heart. The correct way to respond to the incarnation is by adoring Jesus and by emulating Jesus. See, with our emulation, we strive to be like Him. We strive to imitate Him in humility and in servanthood and in obedience. Listen, do you know that the greatest gift, the greatest gift that has ever been given is Jesus? I think that's pretty easy for us to understand. The greatest gift that has ever been given to us is the gift of Jesus. But do you understand that gift? Do you understand that gift? Because here's what that gift is. It's God giving himself to us. Think about that for just a moment. God giving himself to us. To dwell in us. Right? To empower and enable us to live life fully. To live life eternally. And so when I think about the greatest gift that has ever been given, Jesus Christ, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us, God, you gave me yourself. 
So I will respond with adoration. I'll respond with emulation. Listen, the greatest gift I can give God is the gift of myself. God, you first loved me, so I will love you. You so loved me, so I will love you. And I'll do that the way Jesus said to do it. What did Jesus say in Luke? He said, if you want to follow me, then you must what? Deny yourself. Sounds like a servant to me. Take up the cross. Sounds like humility to me. And follow me. In other words, adore me. Emulate me. The greatest gift God has ever given is the gift of himself through Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that you and I could ever give God. It's not your money. It's not even your attendance at church. It's more than that. It's yourself. Because if you give God all of yourself, he'll have everything you are. And that's everything he wants. So how? How have you responded to the incarnation? And if you haven't responded to the incarnation, here's your chance. How will you respond to the incarnation? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God in flesh, Emmanuel? Do you believe that Jesus Christ came to us in this world as a little baby? Do you believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life? He was tempted to sin just like you and me. He was rejected. He was humiliated. He was spit upon. Yet Jesus never sinned. Never sinned. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus went to the cross? That that the nails pierced his hands, pierced his feet? Do you believe that Jesus, they shoved a crown of thorns on his head? Do you believe that the, that the, the soldier thrust the spear into the side of Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus took his last breath on the cross? And most importantly, do you believe he did that for you? Do, you? do you believe that they laid him in the tomb, that they put him in the ground, and everybody there said, it's over, it's done? Yet three days later, that stone was rolled away, and Jesus was not there because Jesus lives He defeated sin and death. And do you believe that he did that for you? Because that's really all that matters. That's Christmas. And either you receive it or you reject it. There is no in-between. You may say, well, I'm waiting. You know what you're doing? You're rejecting. Because you're not promised another breath. You're not promised another day. You're not promised this afternoon. You're not promised to see that tree lit up tonight. So if you say, oh, I'm waiting What you're doing is you're rejecting. You're rejecting. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You better do it on this side of eternity. Because if you don't, it'll be too late. The next time you do it, it won't be in joy. It'll be in remorse and sadness because you'll know you missed it. Don't be that one. How will you respond to the incarnation? It'll make a difference. Full life and eternal life. 